Hello and welcome to the formal review. Today, we will be having a very special episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome back to the formal review. This is season 3 episode 21 and I thank you all for joining me once again. Now this is a very special episode uh, because I will be recapping DC Fandom. Now, this was an event you didn't know that happened last weekend that I spent probably way too much time on. I thought since essentially I sacrificed my Saturday for this, I'd give everyone my thoughts. So this is going to be similar to my recap that I did for Comic-Con at Home that I did for Backseat Directors. And let me be frank at the front end. This event was so much better than Comic-Con at Home. The marketing prior to the weekend was on point with people hyping up the event, which obviously got me excited for it, even if it ended up being absolute trash. Luckily, it wasn't. Now, I didn't watch every bit of it, but I did check out all of the DCEU film panels, the video game panels, and a few others. On the ones that released trailers, I also record some live reactions, so you will be able to hear my live thoughts of those releases as well. First off, before I get started, I want to give a big shout out to Jim Lee, a Korean-American comic book artist, writer, editor, and publisher. He was on a lot of these panels, and because he's drawn for a lot of DC comics, and I really lost count of how many he was on and you really see how hands-on he was with the entire process and looking into his story it's honestly just inspirational seeing where he came from because he was born in Korea and then he immigrated to St. Louis before the age of 10 and then he became a U.S. citizen at 12. He had this sense of being an outsider in school and as a result his favorite characters were the X-Men because of the obvious outsider concept that they have themselves. In 1986 as he was preparing to graduate Lee took an art class that reignited his love for drawing and led him to the rediscovery of comics at the time, which were pretty much Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns and Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' Watchmen. So after he obtained his psychology degree, he decided to postpone applying to med school. And then he started working at Marvel Comics, drawing X-Men, and then he moved to DC in 1998, and now he is currently the publisher and chief creative officer of DC Comics. His most notable work is All-Star Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder, Batman Hush, Fantastic Four Volume 2, the Punisher War Journal, Superman for Tomorrow, Superman Unchained Justice League Volume 2, Uncanny X-Men, and Wildcats X-Men Volume 2. To talk about a career and really, again, an inspiration to all Asian Americans out there, and so salute to Jim Lee. Anyway, back to the panels. So the event started off with Wonder Woman, and the main point of this panel was to show new footage. They had director Patty Jenkins and actors Gal Gadot, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, and Chris Pine. And on this panel, there was a lot of love that was shared between them, and it was really great panel to start off the event. So they released a new trailer and here's my trailer reaction to that. Recorded as I was watching it, so enjoy. This world is not yet ready for all that you will do. Your time will come, Diana. I love that they're bringing back in like some of her childhood. That's so dope. Like even for, I know they show that in other trailers, but Yo, this score sounds so freaking amazing! Citizens of the world! I'm here to change your life. <laughs> Look at those 80s computers. <laughs> I love it. Anything you dream of, you can have it. You'll break your sargos. Diana, look at you. It's like not one day has passed. I don't want to be like anyone. I want to be an apex predator. 
You've always had everything, while people like me have had nothing. Well, now it's my turn. Yo, Cheetah! Yo! I've never been one for rules. The answer is always more. Yo! The way I fly, they will never find us. I forgot to tell you. What? Radar. Will they? Will they shoot out at us? <laughs> I love that. Yo! 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 Yo, this is going to be so awesome! Oh God! You know what? I'm ready to go. I think we can do better. Parachute pants? Yeah. Um... Does, it, does everybody parachute now? I love it. Oh, this is going to be great. So watching this trailer really made me glad that they're going to be holding off from releasing this movie on demand, um, and on streaming devices, and releasing it in theaters. Patty Jenkins said that even she believed this because Wonder Woman 1984 was originally supposed to be hit theaters on June 5th, but then was delayed to August 14th. And then as they tried to figure out a few other things, they delayed it again. Jenkins said during the event that I really think the movie is so great on the big screen. We're going to stick it out, and we believe putting it in the cinema. But she did avoid mentioning a specific date because she said, I can't wait for the movie to come out soon. And the trailer does not list a release date, only noting the film is opening, quote, only in cinemas. So even though October 2nd is the current one, I think they're waiting to see how Tenant does when it releases. But either way, I think I am really looking forward to this movie. It has two villains, Barbara and Minerva, aka Cheetah, played by Wig, and Maxwell Lord, played by Pascal. According to the trailer, it looks that Lord has found a way to give people their deepest desires, which for our Wonder Woman is the return of her long-lost love, Steve Trevor, who seemingly died at the end of the first film. And it also gave a lot of viewers the first real look as Wig as Cheetah, who appears to be going through this progressive transformation that ultimately results in her growing fur and a full tail. Hopefully when we see it on the big screen, it won't be another cat scenario, but we'll see. I think it's going to progress really well, and I think it will make sense within the context of the film. So the next panel that I watched was the prize WB Montreal games panel and so they unveiled that they're going to be releasing a co-op Gotham Knights game and in this game they're going to be it was developed by Warner Brothers Montreal and this is the team behind 2013's Batman Arkham Origins and will come out next year in 2021 so they released the trailer to that so here's the reaction that I had for that when I was watching in breaking news we've received reports of an explosion somewhere north of the We're city still waiting for the police to confirm if there are any victims. This story is evolving rapidly. Please bear with us. We are just really loud. Boom. There was smoke everywhere. Emergency services have confirmed that they've discovered a body buried in the wreckage. We're still waiting for further details. International news an explosion rocked Gotham City earlier today. We are now able to confirm that billionaire philanthropist Bruce Wayne is. Yeah, Bruce Wayne is not dead. No way. I don't believe that.
you're watching this, I'm dead. This is a cold black. This message was automatically triggered when I destroyed the cave and everything it contained. We both know it won't take long for Gotham's criminals to realize the Batman is gone. And you can't count on the GCPD. Never trusted us since Jim died. Gotham will need its protectors more than ever. I'm leaving you the Belfry as a base of operations. Some of the technology is outdated, but it has the gear you need and all of my files. You've always had my back when I needed you. I know you'll keep Gotham safe. Good luck. Couldn't they get not get Kevin Conroy? Who's the voice of Batman? So, but when does this take place? Because Batgirl is not crippled anymore. Because she's Oracle. Nightwing, Batgirl, that's that's pretty awesome. Honestly, I'm only going to be playing as Red Hood. Oh, invisibility? Yo, this looks so cool. Ah! <laughs> Though I'm not sure how this connects to the overall story. Like, again, where is this place? Yo, bad bike! Bad bike, bad bikes! are the main villains, it looks like. Not a whisper word is said. For if you try to crush them, then the town Yeah, it looks pretty dope. Yeah, it looks pretty awesome. I'm sold on that game for, for sure. So, 
As said in the trailer, Gotham is in chaos after the apparent death of Bruce Wayne and his allies are called to defend the city. There's a lot going on in this trailer, but we see the heroes fighting together and they face off against a very scary court of owls. And then they showed some gameplay between Batgirl and Robin chasing Mr. Freeze. And they also hinted at some degree of customization options for the heroes. So this game, like I said, was made by the same people who did Arkham Origins, which was a spinoff to the main Batman Arkham series by the British developer Rocksteady, which revealed also its new Suicide Squad game, which I'll get into a little bit later. So I was talking to a few people online and my colleague Mikey Heldago said he was upset about the treatment of his favorite Robin, Tim Drake. He thinks that the Robin they have in the game isn't Tim Drake and it is possibly Damian Wayne. While I am with him when it comes to not having Damian, because generally speaking, I can't stand that character, I didn't get the Damian feel. I thought it was more Tim Drake, but we'll see though. I, I get where he's coming from on that aspect though. And they did also say on this panel that the Court of Owls was the main villains, but there are possibly more. So I have this feeling that honestly I think a lot of people have is that Batman's not really dead because but at the same time it does bring continuity issues because one thing I did notice was that the voice of Bruce in this one was not Kevin Conroy I don't know offhand if it was the voice of the guy who did it in Batman Origins but either way if they are going to continue that there's issues with that because obviously one thing about it is that Batgirl in that storyline she's Oracle which means that she's already been crippled so unless she pulls a there is no cartilage in your knee and not much of any use in your elbows or your shoulders. Between that and the scar tissue on your kidneys, the residual concussive damage to your brain tissue and the general scarred over quality of your body, I cannot recommend that you go hella skiing, Mr. Wayne. Right. Oh, not bad at all. I'm really unsure of where this falls in. And you can just strap up your leg and put your mask back on, but that doesn't make you what you were. And there's obviously some things that come off screen with the death of Jim Gordon. And so I'm really confused on where this plays out in the story. Because it can't be a sequel to Origins because that happens before the Arkham games. But then Red Hood exists who's only a character because of the Arkham Knight game. So it's kind of odd. I'm not really sure where it falls in, though I think the game will be kind of fun to play. I think that they can also bring in some other members of the Bat family, such as Batwing or Batwoman as DLC or something, because they're a lot of fun to play as characters. Frankly, they kind of alluded to possibilities, and even though Batwoman could be viewed similarly to the Red Hood in the sense of that she uses guns, I think that a character has a really big fan base that I think like they should bring her in, and I think it would be a missed opportunity if they don't. Okay, so back to films and the next film one was The Flash. So this panel included director Andy Muschietti, Ezra Miller, and writer Christina Godson and a few producers. In short, we were told that the plot was going to be Flashpoint and really honestly Ezra Miller is very annoying slash awkward. Not much was revealed here when it comes to the entire story because this has kind of been alluding to for the past few weeks and also it's kind of the best Flash story in my opinion so I'm not really surprised at that. I think the most thing about this panel that really bothered me though was Ezra Miller like I said he was awkward and kind of annoying because he was trying to bring in some random humor 
I don't know. I know there was this video that was going around that kind of showed him choking a woman. And I'm not sure the details of everything. But maybe they're trying to just show a more positive side of him because they can't kick him off the film because he's the main character. Or there's something in the contract. I'm not sure. I think that that was trying for them to show he has this humor side of him. But it was really, really bad and honestly unnecessary. Flashback. Did you know that according to actual comic book canon, Superman is both a vegetarian and a Metallica fan, which is, of course, impossible. But then again, he's Superman. It really just didn't fit anything. They did show us, though, some really kind of cool concept art that really showed the redesign of the uniform that honestly makes it look more organic in comparison to the metallic armor look that we got in Justice League. And it really looks more New 52. So in another panel, the DC film boss Walter Hamada noted that there is one Earth with the Gal, Jason, Ezra version of the Justice League. And then there's another with the Pattison Year 2 Batman that we'll be getting next I think that this multiverse concept is a very, very lazy way to explain everything. I understand it's the easiest way to explain everything, and it can kind of show that they have control over everything, but it's something that's very centered in the comics as well and it bothers me there so i don't like that explanation i understand it's obviously based in science and everything but it's kind of just a very lazy way of explaining things and honestly if they really wanted to do the work to keep everything connected it would have been done i get it and i'm not gonna make that a big bothering point of everything as long as it kind of goes cohesively i'm not even sure honestly so on that panel they even said that the crossover that happened on the arrowverse was completely last minute and not even some of the actors knew about it what the hell is this i'm asking myself the same question what are you doing here well i'll tell you that when you tell me where here is they also said that it was improvised, which I thought thought was kind of cool. Is this cosplay? Oh, do you want a selfie, bro? No, no, I'm, not, sorry. I'm sorry. I don't, we're not, no. And what's interesting is that this is the first time that the cinematic version of Barry Allen is referred to as The Flash. I'm also The Flash. You're also The what? The Flash. The Flash? The Flash. And he also knows that your outfit. It seems freaking comfy. Yours is pretty cool. Smooth. Seems safe and breathable. And that honestly, time travel is somewhat possible. This should be impossible now. It should be impossible now? You don't know about the. So this obviously I think has some ramifications for this new film and which may or may not be addressed but I think it definitely can be kind of alluded to. They don't have to obviously bring in Grant Gustin into the movie even though they said that they would like to if they could. I don't think they need to even though again like I said it would be cool if they did. I think the most confusing part of this panel though for me though is obviously the Batman inclusion. The art that they showed is very obviously the Michael Keaton version. So here's where I'm confused. So the Batman character is getting three different actors playing him in the next year and two are playing him in this film alone. So one of the big news that broke last week is that Affleck is returning as Batman in the Flash movie. According to Vanity Fair, rumors have kind of been going around that the movie's not only going to give off his own Flash franchise but also adapt the Flash comic book art and then thus go into the DC expanded multiverse. So there's been early talks and suggestions that Michael Keaton is also going to potentially suit up as an older version of the Batman after starring as Batman in the film version from 1989. What are you? I'm Batman. 
And now it seems that there are even more Batman in the mix, with, again, Affleck joining the cast. I'm a friend of your sons. And I think he's going to be appearing in HBO Max's The Snyder Cut of the Justice League next year. He's going to appear in this film, set for release in the summer of 2022. And Muschietti went into how he said, and I quote, he's a very substantial part of the emotional impact of the movie. He says that the interaction relationship between Barry and Affleck's Bruce Wayne bring a very emotional level that we haven't seen before. It is Barry's movie, but the characters are very related because they both lose their mothers to murder, and that's one of the emotional specials of the movie, and that's where Affleck's Batman kicks in. So in the comics, the inciting incident of the Flashpoint storyline is when Barry Allen obviously uses the Flashpoint to go back in time and keep his mother's murder from happening. That basically changes the entire DC universe, leading to multiple changes in history and the lives of his allies in the Justice League. So this brings, obviously, into the idea of the multiverse, as I mentioned. However, the Batman bit is going to get confusing because what's going to happen after all this? For those who don't know the story, at the end, the Flash realized that it is better to allow his mother to be killed, which somewhat resets the timeline. There are some changes, but the characters are generally the same. So post-Flashpoint, are they going to completely recast Batman and then that's the difference that they make? I know they've explained already that Pattinson's Batman is separate, but if it's successful, and more on that later, maybe Flashpoint brings him into the other verse with the other characters. Who knows? I think it's really confusing when you start dealing with time travel hopefully they can at least explain it well or try i don't know if they brush over it like a lot of films such as back to the future i'm really not gonna like that attempt muschietti also added that the movie is a bit of a hinge in the sense that it presents a story that implies a unified universe where we all cinematic universe iterations that we've seen before are valid it's inclusive in the sense that it's saying that all you've seen exists and everything that you will see exists in the same unified multiverse Again, I feel like that's a lazy way to do it, but whatever. So that sounds like I thought there was a lot of negative things that came from this panel. But my favorite part of the panel was honestly Muschietti because the more I thought about it as I was watching it, the more and more I like him for this film. He has obviously been a good director able to combine horror and comedy. While It Chapter 2 was a bit of a letdown, he is still one of my favorite horror directors. And his films Mama and the first It are done, I think, very well. The DCU has been using directors primarily from the horror genre for their films and I think it's been working very well. Zack Snyder, Aquaman's James Wan, Shazam's David S. Sandberg, and even the upcoming Black Adam movie director, Wame Khaled Serif, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, have all directed in the horror genre. I do think Aquaman and Shazam's versions are the best showing of this in their films, but Zack Snyder does have some attributes to add to that as well. So The Flash may not be thought as as a horror film, but here's the thing. There are these time races that exist, which are essentially these time ghost moderators. They don't like people who mess with the timeline and they're very very kind of scary looking furthermore with the death of barry's mother being the center of this story this film can get very very dark i would say suggest go watch the animated film version of the storyline and you'll see what i mean i'm not going to spoil everything about it but i think there's a lot of potential for this movie when it comes to adding in a lot of horror aspects that muschetti can add an extreme amount to and i'm very excited for this so the next film that is the suicide squad as a lot of people were thinking there was going to maybe be noticed of a air cut film that's already released but that wasn't announced but the new film which is i think a sequel and i'll get to that in a second they released some footage and also the director james gunn revealed who's going to be playing which villain in the 2021 movie and so they obviously have the returning viola davis as amanda waller joel kinnaman as rick flag jay courtney as captain boomerang and obviously margot robbie as harley quinn they also introduced michael rooker as savant lula borg as javelin david das as Polka Dot Man, the 
Daniela Melikor as Ratcatcher 2, Alice Braga is playing Solsoria, Nathan Fillion is playing TDK, Pete Davidson is playing Blackguard, John Cena is playing Peacemaker, Sean Gunn is playing Weasel, Peter Capaldi is playing The Thinker, Mai Ling Ying is playing Mongol, and Steve Adji is playing King Shark. But the most interesting one that I found after everything was released was Idris Elba playing not what everyone thought he was playing, uh, Deadshot, who was played by Will Smith in the first film. No money, no honey. He's actually Bloodsport. This character was created by John Byrne and Carl Kessel in 1987, and after a mental breakdown, he basically loses his mind and becomes obsessed with the Vietnam War. And he's one of the few characters that has shot down Superman. It was long believed that Elba was going to be playing Deadshot and replacing Will Smith. However, on Friday, Gunn began to cast some of the doubt of this rumor because he said that no one has been able to correctly predict who would be playing. So this is really interesting because it makes Will Smith's Deadshot still canon. And personally, that was one of my favorite parts of that film. Y'all jokers must be crazy. So Gunn then shared a teaser with some behind-the-scenes footage of the action-packed movie, and here's my reaction. You know the deal. Successfully complete the mission, you get 10 years off your sentence. You're my dream, you're my nightmare. Life is a dream, you don't fight for Welcome to Task Force X. These are your brothers and sisters for the next few days. Run away from the pain, I don't care. After this kind of behind the scenes thing, I'm not gonna lie. I am really, really excited for this movie. I think that that reel was incredible. The cast is fantastic. And I really love the new look of Harley they're going with and taking on the image that's kind of a combination of the Injustice and Arkham video games. I think it's going to be something really, really cool. And I think it's really interesting because this is the exact thing that they were trying to do originally with the first Suicide Squad movie was kind of make it a Guardians of the Galaxy S. And obviously they didn't really do that. But with this now with James Gunn, they're actually 
you're going to be able to do that, and I think that will work. I am a little bit more excited for this than I have been for pretty much any of the other Guardians movies, mostly because just of the cast by itself, and with James Gunn being able to use a bunch of random people and still do a relatively decent story, I think he's going to be good. I'm not going to say it's going to be the best of all time. Like Guardians is not the best of all time. I think it's going to be really cool, though. I'm really still kind of blown away by their bringing characters like this. Like, who would bring in, again, a character called Polka Dot Man? I mean, James Gunn is legitimately the only person who would do that, especially into a live-action movie. The only issue that I have is, I guess, kind of alluding to, I don't really know when this come, takes place in comparison to the first film, because it's supposed to be this war movie, but then also doesn't really... That doesn't make sense, given the aspects of the first film, because that's supposed to be post-Batman vs. Superman, which is kind of present day, and so I don't really know how this kind of Vietnam War type of movie will work in this aspect, but I'm definitely not going to avoid it. I am definitely will see this opening weekend. So on a somewhat surprising panel, they released that they are going to be developing a Static Shock live-action film. And this is a show that I honestly think is forgotten about, by myself included, but I really loved it as a kid. is even canon in the DCAU and for those who don't know that's the Batman the animated series the Superman the animated series the Justice League animated series for those who don't know Static Shock is about this teenager named Virgil Hawkins in the city of Dakota which electric based powers essentially his origin is he walks into an area where the chemical characters explode and he is mutated gaining the powers to create generate absorb and control electricity and magnetism the TV show was released in early 2000s this character was voiced by Phil Lamar who was on the panel and he said that Virgil is what I always wanted as a comic book kid growing up. A good comic book story that can make you live, feel it, and when it does, it resonates on a whole nother level. It was so real world and a textured story removed from the 1930s. We are exhibiting the world. I feel like it was drawn by somebody who lived in a building I could go into. It touched on archetypes as a comic book fan that I loved, but also touched on my life as a black man in the real world. And I'm really looking forward to this. It's such a cool character and they touched on him in the Young Justice TV show, and I was really glad that they brought him in on that. So I'm really excited that they're going to bring him back again, especially in a live action. I think it would be really cool. Now we're on to the big thing that a lot of people were excited for, and that's the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. So we know prior to this event that the Snyder Cut is happening. He revealed this after doing a Man of Steel screening. We know that the Justice League was a failure both from fans and critics. I did enjoy it, but it's not a good movie so they released this first full trailer for this film and here's my reaction oh there's dark side oh Zack Snyder really likes this song I mean it's a good song yeah I was right yeah, that, that's where, at the end of the uh, teaser trailer from before, I was right. Go back and look. Hey, the Aquaman thing. I don't think this music works at all for this, for this movie. 
Honestly, this just looks like a lot of scenes that weren't in the original. I mean, in the theatrical cut, but they want to just show them again. Uh, show that they have it. That just seems like all it is. Yeah, that's like these are just clips that like we should have seen before, but we didn't. That all right? That scene I'm excited for to see and like. I still don't like this song for this. trailer i mean the the music on it really don't i am not a big fan of this trailer it didn't really show much that we didn't already know we knew the snyder cut existed we knew that the flash saved iris we knew that steppenwood would look different and we knew that dark side would be in it i think the use of the song as well wasn't right because it seemed to be in a congratulations we did it we are finally doing it but this feeling also isn't new either this is something that existed when snyder revealed it at the end of the man of steel screening the only thing that i spotted that was different is that desaad is now in the film which brings in the whole justice league war storyline and in that storyline there's an invasion of earth by the dark side and the then makes the justice league form to counter it and then desaad tries to turn superman into a super prepared demon obviously was unsuccessful and then he was killed by a mind-controlled superman who snapped his neck this does make sense for the film because it is a fairly dark storyline obviously and snyder says that the snyder cut will be four parts one hour each and they will be also working on one long extended cut that will be released on hbo max and then as well on home video so my question after hearing that is how does this four hour film supposed to cover everything that was supposedly in the three film justice league movies that snyder had in his head according to folks that worked on it they saw jim lee breakdown boards for all three justice league movies first movie mm -hmm. was kind of what we saw fighting steppenwolf meeting steppenwolf then boom tube opened up and they saw dark side and dark side saw them there was a mini scuffle or not depending on who you're talking to Boom tube closes, that's the end of the movie. With them all knowing there's something out there and we have to go. Justice League 2 was going cosmic as they take the fight to Apocalypse. 2 ends poorly, like Empire Strikes Back or Infinity War. So they go to space and get defeated and Darkseid goes to Earth and levels it. So the vision that Batman had in Batman v Superman, that was going to be the entire third movie. 
the hero's last stand against dark side and the forces of apocalypse. The only way I can kind of see it at this current point in time is the first hour could be Steppenwolf coming, second hour could they see Darkseid and then they attack him, get captured, the third could them trying to escape, and then the fourth is them fighting again. And honestly, the more that I think about this, there may not be enough time to do all that in four hours. And I think having so much to cover can lead it to the issues that I had it with Batman versus Superman. And I enjoy the extended cut, but it is still way too much forcing it into that time period and i think this is one of the issues that i think snyder has in a lot of his films is that he tries to put too much into something in the allotted time and tries to force all of his ideas and it's not always in the best organized way and you kind of have to hear his explanation to make sense of it and while I enjoy those films for what they are, and I don't think that is a well-done movie if you have to hear his explanation of it to make sense of it, because that's adding in things that aren't really shown on screen, and it's just his view of it. But if we can't learn it from your explanation on screen, then there's something missing, because if it is that well-told, then we're going to know everything from just watching the movie. And if you have to explain it to us, then there's stuff that is missing from the movie. And again, I enjoyed those movies. I'm not trying to bash them. It's just I don't think that Snyder is the best overall when it comes to storytelling. I think he has a lot of potential and he has a lot of great ideas, but sometimes execution isn't the best. I am optimistic for this film. I think it will be better than what what we got in the Justice Cut, but I am a little worried because I don't know what's going to happen post this film. Are they going to try to do this and then if it's successful, then do the other stuff? Or is he going to try to force everything into this film? And that's where I'm kind of confused and I don't really know. There's just a lot that has to go into it and it still has to work within the overall DCEU and I really think it's an uphill battle for Snyder and I really hope it does work out but I don't know. We'll see. Prior to the next panel, I knew The Rock was going to hype it up. He's been kind of putting this trailers out on his Instagram and everything and that's kind of what actually got me kind of excited for this is that, oh, this is just going to be just a reveal of random things but then once I saw that he was attached, I then knew that this was going to be very very significant event because the rock is very much a very obviously charismatic person but he doesn't attach his name to something unless he 100% believes in it and that's the one thing that i really saw and i was like okay now this is going to be serious frankly when it comes to the rock he could push a bag of garbage and if he believes in it he would make it sound interesting and so i've known that he's been working on this film for the last few years and in this he gave a really cool concept drawing and narration of the story of what they're kind of going to show in the Black Adam movie. So here's that and my reaction. Yo, Black Adam, though. This is Black Adam. 5,000 years ago, Kondok was a melting pot of cultures, wealth, power, and magic. Yet most of us had nothing, except for the chains around our necks. Kondok needed a hero. Instead, they got me. I did what needed to be done, and they imprisoned me for it. Now, 5,000 years later, I'm free, and I give you my word, 
No one will ever stop me again. And I already know this because your expectations are high, so are mine. Look, at the end of the day, I truly have one boss that I aim to please. Besides my wife and my daughters. Uh, and that <laughs> boss, of course, is you guys, the fans, the audience. Always audience first in my book. And, uh, and who from the JSA is going to be in our movie? Well, I don't want to reveal too much this early on, but I thought um, this might answer some of your questions. Take a look. I have a knack for destroying bullies. But there are some who think I need help. Yo, Hawkman. Dr. Fate? And their new recruits. Cyclone. And Adam Smasher. They call themselves the Justice Society. An organization that believes in fighting for truth and justice. Well, I'm going to teach them that the only beliefs I fight for are mine. Welcome to Truth, Justice, and the Black Adam Way. So as The Rock alluded to, they're gearing up for production and for this film to hit theaters late next year. The character is going to break his change and unleash his power onto the world. So the difference between any other super beings that they've shown so far is that his Black Adam is not going to show any restraint. Dr. Fate is the thing that most excites me about this because Dr. Fate is a character I love. Yes, he's overpowered, but I find him so interesting. Much more so than I find Doctor Strange in the Marvel Universe. It's, it's obviously the obvious comparison between the two. And I hope that they do him right. The Rock has been saying that he, as many people are obviously looking forward to seeing this on the big screen, they really want to see him come to face to face with Henry Cavill Superman, which he did allude to, which I thought was dope. If you could take any DC character to join you in an adventure, who would it be and why? You know, I always thought that it might be cool to hang out with Superman. That would be cool, right? I mean, we're kind of similar in terms of our powers, our strengths, our speed. Black Adam and Superman could become friends. Or they won't. Who knows? So this is something that I think will obviously come on in a potential sequel. But the thing is, is that again, when will this come in? Because they have a, obviously the Shazam sequel, which I'll go into in a little bit. But then they have the Black Adam movie. And then they're supposed to have a Shazam Black Adam movie. And then are they going to have a Black Adam Superman movie? I'm not really sure. I don't know how this is going to go down. But if they do do that on screen, honestly, The Rock versus Henry Cavill. Oh, that's going to be a powerful movie to watch. Let's let Flash Shazam. Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman. Let's let them know something. Things will never be the same because the hierarchy of power in the DC universe is about to change. And oh, that sounds just exhilarating right now. 
I think that Black Adam is going to be really different and cool, and I cannot wait to see this film come to light. The more and more I think about The Rock being in this, it's the more, honestly, exciting I'm getting. And I seriously, this panel still has me more hype than the Snyder Cut. I think it presented things so much better, and they obviously released new things. Unfortunately, the next film wasn't as good. There honestly wasn't much revealed about the new Aquaman film. They did state that Patrick Wilson was going to return as Ocean Master, but I feel that we already knew that because he didn't die or anything at the end of the first film. And it's even said that they would talk about their issues as brothers. So why would I think that he wouldn't? I would honestly be more surprised if he wasn't in the film. James Wan did say that Aquaman 2 is going to be more serious and more dealing with the issues of the world, so they're going to see some new worlds. I really did enjoy the first films. The more I've re watched it the more i've excited i've gotten about it but this panel did nothing to support that excitement or really did it kill it so it was kind of meh the next one with the shazam sequel i was a little bit excited for because shazam i think was one of the most surprising movies to come out of the dceu i did not expect that movie to be good but that movie was done really well i loved the message of that movie and the acting was great so we've seen it before and we're always going to see it again zach levy was playing up the fact that he can't release any Anything new about Shazam 2 but the way he did it was very charming and really all the kids that showed up and also Megan Good they also were charming as well too we know when someone says they can't they're actually going to release something so they did release that Sinbad is gonna be a part of this film and I thought the release of this was done in the best way possible Sinbad? Hold on a second. Sinbad, are you in Shazam 2? Well, you tell me, John Krasinski, am I? Because everybody thought I was in Shazam 1 before it even existed. Google it. Then they also released the title of the film, and I thought it was a pretty cute way, too. And based on this title of Shazam 2, The Fury of the Gods, they're obviously going to be alluding to Black Adam again, especially with this. And I think that The Rock is going to show up in this movie, because probably at the end of it. But thinking about it, it can't be just another credit scene, because they kind of did that already in the first film. Guys, there's six of us and there's seven thrones. Who's, who's that for? But either way, I am excited for this movie. I think it's going to be good. I'm not the most excited for it in the sense of in comparison to the other ones, but I do really think it's going to be a decent movie. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier with the Gotham Knights game, I talked about Rocksteady's upcoming Suicide Squad game called Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. And this was teased earlier this month with an image. So this game is going to highlight characters of Harley Quinn, Deadshot, King Shark, and Captain Boomerang. And they released a full trailer for that, and I recorded my action to that game. Game, so here you go. Yeah, buddy. Brainiac. Oh my God, Brainiac. Boss, we got this. Hey, Boomer! 
Lay down suppressing fire! Keep it down, Hal. These are still ringing after that last Barney. <laughs> what is that? Australian for hangover? I believe I can translate. Boomerang has a concussion. From the enemy you missed in our last encounter. <laughs> Guess those teeth are sharper than your eyes, Sharkman. I never, yes. never miss. Never miss. You <laughs> bloody know. You never shut up about it. Task Force X. Alpha target is in the open. Get your asses to the Metropolis Grand Hotel and engage. Before I have another reason to blow those bombs in your heads. Deadshot looks well, dope. Oh, LexCorp. In the background there, LexCorp. Reminded me of something. Oh, yeah! Waller's stupid alpha target. Who are we supposed to be killing again? Oh, look, it's Superman. The mighty Superman has just rescued that pilot. What a show-off. Beat it, Spandex! We're on a top-secret assassination mission here! No. No. It actually is Superman, it's not Bizarro. Interesting. They also confirmed on this panel was that the game is a continuation of the universe of Rocksteady's previous trilogy of Batman games, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. But like Gotham Knights, it is a multiplayer game. I am definitely interested because I thought it was going to be a Bizarro and not Superman, and I was wrong. So we're going to see what happens here. I'm just really interested again to see how this ties into Gotham Knights. How does Gotham Knights attach itself to these other games? With the multiplayer aspect, are you going to get different aspects of their characters and everything like that i think it's going to be a lot of fun to play so the finale of this entire event is the panel for the batman movie that was originally supposed to be coming out this october but they got pushed to october of next year so prior to this event i was on the fence about it i'm not gonna lie I did think that Matt Reeves is a competent director. He legitimately made two of the films in the Apes trilogy and really made that trilogy one of the best of all time. I'm not saying it is 
better than the Lord of the Rings, I am saying it is equal to that. And I will fight to the death on that. I love both trilogies. He also directed Cloverfield and the Let Me In remake, which the latter is a very good. Cloverfield is fine. I'm just not the biggest fan of it. I liked it. It's okay. But I moved on. Anyway, so the more and more he talked about the Batman film, the more excited I got. He isn't a superhero in the traditional sense. You know, he might have a cape, but he can't fly. He's he's like you and me. But if he has a superpower, it's the ability to endure. And not only the ability, but the kind of compulsion. And so that idea of being that driven by your past and by the things that you can't quite resolve in yourself, like he's a very alive character. And to me, to tell a version of Batman where, again, it wasn't about how he became Batman, but it's about the early days of how he is Batman, and he is so far from being perfect, and watch uh, us sort of see him becoming what we all know about him and see it in new ways. I felt like that was a way to do something that hadn't been done. He talked about how it's going to be a detective story, which is one of the things that I've said about all of the other prior live-action Batman movies they had issues with. Him being the world's greatest detective and how he got there. You know, those things have been touched on, but I don't know that they've been as central to the plot as they are in this particular Batman. So one of the things that really, like, made me excited even more so for this is, is how Matt Reeves was talking about the inspiration for the Batman movie. For me, because I wanted to get into the mindset of the character, and I wanted to think of the psychology, I think one of the cool deep dive ones was Darwin Cook's ego. He's confronting the beast that is Batman, and, and it's kind of, there's a kind of duality. I mean, there's a lot in what, you know, is trying to do in, in the story story about him confronting the shadow side of himself the degree to which you have self-knowledge you're able to understand your motivations but he's broken batman so while he's doing all of these things for the reasons that he thinks is right and that are that have a heroic sort of grounding in them there's also many things that are driven by the parts of himself he doesn't yet know and so i would say that that kind of sort of psychological jungian shadow side that sort of version of it is, is very much connected to that vision from Darwin Cook uh, from Ego. And I think that's such a great thing to do. Batman Ego was a DC comic published in 2000, but the idea of it essentially described by the author is that what if Batman and Bruce Wayne were able to sit down and talk about what they do? And this dialogue between them hasn't really been done in the films as much, which is something that, like I really think that it should be done. And in this, Bruce Wayne essentially becomes extremely consumed by guilt and decides to retire from Batman. But then his mind essentially gets split into two very different narratives. You have the Batman id versus his Bruce Wayne superego. They're battling back and forth in their minds. And the Batman side of him, he says, silence. You consider this madness? What do you think it would be like when you turn your back on me? Ignore me now and you will live to regret it. You swore to your parents to me that you would dedicate your life to this crusade and now you choose to turn your back on me in the name of what bruce wayne replies i've had enough of this madness madness replies the bat i will show you madness if you denounce me if you try to jam me back into your subconscious then i promise i will torment you until the day we die i promise you will wake up screaming every night of your pitiful life that is the path of true madness I mean, that's just wild to me. And so much psychological torment, they have to reach a compromise that Bruce will accept the guilt and the responsibility of the crusade as long as Batman can accept that he stands for hope, not just fear. And if this is what they're making a movie out of this, oh my word, I cannot wait for it.
And also he started talking about this new Gotham PD series that's going to also be connected to it and how everything is going to be more practical because the suit is kind of new. The first thing you have to do is you have to craft a story that you think is worthy of the character. But then once you've done that and it becomes like, oh yeah, we're making this movie, one of the things you have to do is you have to design a bat suit. Rob had a very important part in designing the suit in that he had to be able to wear it, he had to be able to fight in it. And one of the things about this bat suit is that it's very practical. The whole idea is that he's made it himself. And so we need to be able to sort of see how it would fit on him in these ways that he could move, but also looked like it was something that was still evolving. You always do a dialogue with everyone so that we can arrive at the thing that feels the most grounded, the most honest, and the most character-based. Rob actually talked to Christian Bale, and Christian Bale was like, just make sure you're gonna be able to relieve yourself. He needs to be able to put it on. He also needs to be able to live as a human being. And then he goes into that all of the characters, not just Batman, are in year two. Batman, Catwoman, the Riddler, Penguin are just starting their journeys as these characters. And like I said, it's gonna be going into this detective and corruption story that follows the series of murders and Gotham's history. And as you can see from my reaction, Play a game, just me and you. Any of this mean anything to you? Yo! You're becoming quite a celebrity. Why is he writing to you? If you are justice, please do not lie. What is the price for your blind eye? The hell are you supposed to be? Yo! Yo. Whoa! This guy's crazy. You're part of this too. How am I part of this? You'll see. Hundred percent sold on that. Boy, did this trailer deliver. Oh my word. And this is completed with 75% of the film not even done yet. Oh my word. I'm so excited for this. Batman has been from the comic books and animated series. He's always been a great detective. So I feel that Matt Reeves is really going to deliver because this film really does give that aspect. The Riddler, I think, is a perfect villain as well because it's kind of another mystery story. And that's what it's all about. And I think that's kind of works perfectly to bringing that aspect in because obviously the Riddler gives riddles and he has to solve the riddles to figure out the next step in solving these murders and whatnot and i think that's a great way to do it and i think it's also batting of intellect because that's another thing about the riddler is that he's extremely intelligent and he plays with his victims and trying to show that he's more intelligent than the other so i think that bat
battle of minds is going to be fantastic in this movie. And I think the trailer looks like it'll have a great cinematography as well. It'll have a great score. And honestly, more and more I look at it, I see more comparisons to the animated series. The design of the panel was red and black, made it really look like the animated series versions of the city. The design of the title even looks very similar to the animated series Blu-ray release. And so there's so much so connection to this. And even the line that they executed in the trailer perfectly I'm vengeance was connected I am vengeance I am the knight I am Batman and oh man, this was such a great ending to the event. The best parts of this entire event was the films that hyped it up. I was slightly let down, honestly, from the Snyder and Aquaman panels and the Force commercial from Jake from State Farm. That was extremely corny. Ezra Mesler was cringe and the Zoom whodunit game with the Wonder Woman cast was ridiculously boring. Even Wonder Woman herself, Gal Gadot, was seemingly on her phone during this period. Why was that there? I don't know, it was pretty much dumb filler. However, my favorite moments were Black Adam, the Batman, and also hearing Jim Lee talk about how diversity is in risk, it's opportunity. So overall, this event makes me a very, very, very happy DC fan. And I hope it continues in the future. I am a little worried of how this will affect Comic-Cons in general. There were a lot of big names and big film franchises, but I didn't see much of people from the smaller side of comics, people just starting off. And I think that coverage needs to be there as well, because that's what conventions are for, is for people to network with people who are a little bit bigger and people who starting off can get a chance. That's something that this didn't really touch on very much. It was just people talking about these big name projects. But I think that... Going forward, they can definitely elaborate on that and make that a possibility. And I think that they should do both. They shouldn't like just do studios like a Marvel version and then the DC version. Then we're just going to be comparing those things. And it's really not that much different to me from what we do now. If they're going to do that, they should do both because both allow for really great things. Either way, other cons better learn from this because the hype that they really brought prior to this event really made it better. And this can be a to really any type of convention, not the comic book slash nerd ones. And they should really be treated as fun experiences, not only business. They should be both fun and business. Now, what did you think of DC Fandom? Did you tune in or did you just kind of watch the YouTube videos later? And what'd you think of everything? What do you think of the Batman? What do you think of all the things I talked about? Do you agree or disagree with me? Do you have any thoughts of the questions that I asked? Because I don't know these answers, so I want to know what everyone else thinks. Let me know. Hit me up on social media. The former reviews on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, the URL is all the same. It's at the formal review. Feel free to also check out BackseatDirectors.com where I write with the big team movie reviews and also other editorial articles. Again, that's BackseatDirectors.com. Please also subscribe to the podcast on your favorite service. It is on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and really, honestly, anywhere you can find podcasts. Also, I'm always wanting to grow and improve, so feel free to leave a review on your favorite service. I see the numbers, and I do this for you all, and I want to keep entertaining. I really appreciate everyone supporting me by listening and talking about movies with me online. For those who have contributed 
financially, I really thank you for supporting me in that way. For those who want to financially contribute, please go to anchor.fm forward slash the minus sign formal minus sign review and click support this podcast. And I thank you very much in advance and any donation is appreciated. Thank you all for tuning in once again. And until next time, well, I won't say it's in movies, but be safe, wash your hands and take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the formal review. We hope you'll join us again.